Hi, I'm Marty Grizzani, and this is The Marty Grizzani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. I actually forgot my my AirPods, but not a big deal. No, put them on, put them on. We're no, they're, they're in my vehicle. I'm not going out to grab them. <laughs> All right, no worries, no worries. All right, guys, well, welcome back to the show. Today, I am very excited because I have none other than Dante Belmonte. All right, now this guy is an absolute G. He's the founder of the Make Money Make Sense podcast. He's a managing partner of Victory Capital. He is, uh, he, he, you know, he, the one thing that I can say, Dante, that I'm really excited to talk to you about is just how obsessed you are. Yeah, you're a freak. Sure. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You are nuts, and I love <laughs> it. So we're gonna, I'm gonna have you introduce yourself in a little bit, but I, I gotta say one thing. All right, I was listening to uh, now Dante has over 100 plus episodes. Um, of his podcast so he, he's uh this will be a lot of fun we'll be able to flow pretty good here but um i'll say one thing i think this is true and i think this is true for you and i think this is true for a lot of people i think your life would have been fucked up if you went to college and i have a really good backstory with a therapist about that, that I can totally <laughs> touch on. like i my parents literally so i'll just touch on it real quick so let's do it when I was in, I want to say this year, my senior year of high school or like freshman year, um, I didn't want to go to college and my parents were super concerned and they literally had me go see a therapist and to convince me that I needed to go to college. And after like three or four meetings, the dude looked me like straight in the eyes and he's like, listen, man, he's like, I don't know how I'm going to tell your parents that you're not going to college. Yes. And like that, that was that. And, you know, after that, you know, they, they were concerned for me and I totally get it. They just wanted to care for me. But I think now I've, you know, I've totally showed them that and they're, they're, you know, gung ho for me and they're some of my biggest fans. So definitely I, I did a one semester at school. I told my parents I would do a gap semester after that gap semester. I uh, read the syllabus for the first day of classes and I dropped out right on the spot. No way. Yeah. So I love it. Right. Well, I, here's the thing. I mean, so many people went to college. See, here's what I think would have happened with you, right? Here's just my, my thesis for you. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, again, because I just, I know, I know the type of person you are that I can tell because you're so obsessed and focused, like you, you would have done it, right? Like if you, if you were, if you had different parents, let's say, or if you had different kind of situation, like you would have done it, got a business degree, worked at a job and like done really well, right? You're, you're a really driven guy, but like you never would have started this of what you're doing now until maybe like later down the line, like you would have been a guy who's like, all right, I got to get to that next level at that company and the next level, the next level. And then you've been like a vice president with kids. And then you, you got this house you got to pay for. So you got to stay in the job. And just, I think so many people go down that route. Even the people that are, are sick like us, like they're obsessed, they're focused, they're driven, but they go that route of maybe they get that degree. And so they got to use it, typically a business degree, and they got to use it just to say, hey, yeah, I did it. And they get that, you know, entry level job and then they just want to be a champion and they just want success. And it's not necessarily that they like what they do. They just want to yeah. be successful in what they do. And so successful is, all right, show me the 
the formula of to get to the next step in this company because that's what I'm going to do, right? Because I'm not going to just stay in fucking 101. I'm going to keep going right. up. And I think that's what happens. And I'm so glad you didn't because yeah. now you're 24, you know, 23, 24. You just turned 24 not too long ago. And, uh, and you're doing probably stuff that you probably never would imagine. None of your friends are probably even close to even thinking about some of this stuff. Like you, you can't be hanging out with your friends talking about this stuff. Do they have any clue what you do? So you know, a lot of my friends are older than me. I, you know, they're right. in their late twenties, early thirties. A lot of them are business owners, entrepreneurs. So we, we kind of mesh in that standpoint. They may not do real estate, but they're entrepreneurs. And so we Got talk it. about this kind of stuff. And okay. Marty, what you just said, like getting your degree, when you get your degree, you're just moving the needle that all that just a degree, you change the thermostat from 72 to 73. You Ooh, don't love that. that. Love you get that. a degree. And you know, that's all you're doing is just moving the needle, just just a hint and no one's noticing. And that's really what a degree is. Don't get me wrong. There are people out there that do need a degree, they need to go to college if they're going to be a, you know, a professor in the medical field, a lawyer, an attorney, you know, many different things need that training, that background, but sure. not everything does. And we're in a society where we're trained that you, you go to school, you go to college, you get a job, you do the nine to five, you climb the corporate ladder. And that's not always the, the case for everyone. Oh God, man. That's so good. The, what'd you say again? To get a degree just moves a degree. What was that? Correct. What? Like I said, you know, you, you move your thermostat from 72 to 73. You don't notice it. You get a degree. You don't notice it. It doesn't change anything for you. Oh, I love it, buddy. I love it. No. So where do you, where do you think this comes from? Where do you think this obsession comes from? Again, because guys, this is a guy who he's got he's got his own broker. Or do we have your own brokerage? Uh, work, work for a brokerage, own um, private equity firm. Oh, owns a private equity firm. He's a managing part. He's got fuck. He's got multifamily units in uh in is it North Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina is our primary state that we operate in. Mm -hmm. North Carolina. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the inventor of the Chick Fil A method, which we'll get into a second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I'm a big fan of in the, in the three prong attack of the Chick-fil-A method. We'll, we'll get to that in a second, but um, why, because why are you obsessed and focused? Like why? So you start, you know, you're, you're obviously, you get a job, you're working in a, you know, you're doing a bunch of stuff. You, you, you the worst job you worked at as a car wash, but uh, you're in, the, you're on the, um, you're probably doing what I think a lot of, guys who get in guys and girls who like get into business entrepreneurship is through sales, right? You're working commission. So well, you're kind of working for yourself, right? You, uh, you, you eat what you kill essentially. And it's the yeah. harder you work, the more you make. And it, that's kind of how I, I was always driven. So I, I hated school. I hated uh, being told what to do. I hated uh, leadership or for the most part, so to speak. Um, and not really leadership, but more authority, I should say. And uh, so when I got out of school, you know, it, it wasn't really, I didn't want to go to college. So I got a job at a dealership and I figured, you know, cars are pretty expensive. So you sell one of those, you get a pretty decent commission. You sell a few cars a week. You can, you could take down a thousand, $1,200 paycheck. And that's great when you're 18 years old. Um, so I was doing that. And I was, I was really doing a, a really, really good job at that. And to the point where my manager, he said, you know, you can work whenever you want. You can come and go as, as long as you want, as long as you keep your numbers up. So I was the, out of a dealership of 150 salespeople, uh, I was the only one that didn't work Saturdays because I got to choose my days off. And in, in tandem with that, I was like, what's the next thing I can sell that's larger that you get paid based off of the sales? And I said, it's houses. Mm -hmm. And so I was getting my license at the dealership while I was working. And then I started going to show houses during the day. And my manager's like, yeah, just, you know, go show the house and make sure you're back for your appointments. He didn't care. And he, he was awesome. And he's actually a good friend. 
uh, investor and one of my clients, which is pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. And full um, circle. It, exactly. Really. And I can go all day with those, with those uh, relationships, but um, really just kind of trying to figure out what's next, what's next. And um, it's led me to the next thing. And now that I'm in the, the brokerage slash investment side of things, it's full circle. You know, um, I sell multifamily and, and single families in central New York. And some of those investors, they'll buy a duplex, but then they'll give us $50,000 for our private investments. And then they'll go buy a triplex and they'll give us another 50,000. And uh, just, it, it all comes full circle. I do meetups for uh, my clients that are buying and selling real estate, but that also has our investors at the meetups as well. So um, it's kind of killing two birds with one stone with everything that I'm doing right now. Same thing with the podcast, um, same thing with the meetups um, and everything that I do. Yeah, I love that. Uh... Your your first guest is AJ Osborne, which is just probably not the easiest guy to get now. Uh, 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 but like back in the first, day, it was. Now first. you can barely text the dude, get a reply. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love it. Let me just start off my podcast with just AJ freaking Osborne. You know, this guy's probably the number one self storage. You know, owner, manager, teacher. But uh, anyway, I I love what you're doing, and I, I'm it's very inspiring, and it should be inspiring to everybody listening. Again, the guy's 24. But he put in already, it's, it feels like, because if you started at, you know, right out of high school and you start selling at an early age and, and you see, and you kind of have an idea and you have a mindset of like, I want to be as successful as possible. And because my, my thing with, with me, Dante, and I'm sure it's probably with you is one of my biggest drivers is like a fear of failure, right? Yeah, that I, oh, for did, sure. Is that for you? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like every day, you know, I was just, just having a conversation with my wife about something and you know, she's just like, I don't want you to do all this stuff and then kind of freak out if you can't obtain it or or get there or hit that goal essentially is what this conversation translated to. And it's very true. I'm, I'm very uh, uh, results driven and, you know, that fear to fail, I, you know, I never want to go back. And sometimes I uh, do things a little more than I should just so I'm kind of setting the bar for myself. And I know like, you know, it's kind of like burning the boats. You, mm. you, you, there's no going back. Once you're there, you have to make things happen. And that's kind of my mentality with a lot of different things that I do. Do you think like you're in, um, cause sometimes I feel like this is, this is me. Do you think like sometimes like you're in like a crisis, like you got to get to that next step. Like it's uh, like, every, there's like an urgency all the time. Every day. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I'm in a crisis. Not even like, like, I feel like I always need to do the next thing and whatever I do has to be bigger than the last thing. Mm. And is, this is also uh, not a benefit to me. It probably hurts my personality a little bit, but um, I, I always think what I have is not enough. And mm. that's probably not a good thing. That's probably one of my biggest con, you know, cons is what I, what I think I have now is not enough. And I kind of need more or go farther, which can help you with goal setting and whatnot, but there has to be a limit when, Hey, when's enough enough. But I think that's also encouraged me to go uh, fast and far quickly because yeah. I'm just trying to constantly exceed. Yeah, I think you're the type of guy who is a, although I know you're, you know, I can tell you're very organized and analytical, but you're also like a, tell me if I'm wrong here, but you're kind of like a ready fire aim. Do you feel that way? Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it depends on the situation, but yeah, sure. su super, super organized, also kind of control freak sometimes, which getting a partner has really helped me hone back on that because it's uh, had me you know, entrust another individual with tasks and things to do and not just being the decision maker on everything and trying to take control of everything. I think that was uh, one of my biggest flaws was just trying to do everything, touch everything, be in control of everything. And uh, you can't really grow that way. There's only so much you can do. You have a certain bandwidth. So 
that's why people start to have maybe assistants or virtual assistants or admins and, you know, a partner uh, that really helps grow the business and working on the business rather than in the business. Well, thank God you learned that sooner than, than later on in life. Like, because geez, like you just said it, you're going to be able to explode in growth and you have, which is again, a testament to you and your partner. So, so what does that look like? So victory capital, what does it look like? I know it. So you have a partner, you're both managing partners. And then is one guy in charge of acquisition and management is one guy like just pounding the pavement. Is like, is one person raising capital? Like what does your day-to-day look like with that? Yeah, definitely. So great question. So just touch on my partner, his name's DJ Smith. So he, uh, we met in Syracuse where he lived. He lives in Charlotte. Now he's lived there for seven years. He was a chemical engineer. He actually left that position, that role, um, about four years back. And he's full-time in real estate with myself. And so uh, really, I wanted to scale. He wanted to get into real estate more hands-on, not just passively. And so we, we joined forces. And really kind of how the funnel works is um, I'm acquisition. So I've got the broker relationships. I do all the underwriting. You know, I've, I've got this crazy 10-tab spreadsheet that I've programmed for three, you know, two, three years now exactly to our liking. And I'll, you know, I, I'll go through all the acquisitions, any property, any underwriting. I'm kind of like the first line of defense. Um, once that I like that property, I put in an LOI, we're putting in, you know, probably 50 LOIs just to get one accepted to do one yeah. deal. It's, 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 uh, especially down the Southeast, it's very competitive. Um, once that LOI goes in, we get it accepted. Um, typically that's when we'll tour the property. So we're not really touring the property prior to LOI just because it's tough to tour all those properties we're putting offers in. Yep. Um, so that's when I call up DJ, Hey, here's the property. Here's the down low. Here's the address. Here's who you're meeting go there, give me a call on the way. I'll give you the breakdown of what's the property going on. Like I'll send them. He won't even know what the name of the property is in the car. <laughs> I'll give them all like, you know, the quick notes, what's going on, what's the business plan, who the broker is meeting with, who the broker is married to, how many kids they have, you know, all that relational <laughs> stuff too. And, you know, I keep track of all of it. And Love it. if that meets our, you know, our, our initial sniff test or that test for the property, once we walk it physically, we'll go back to the underwriting. We'll, uh, ramp up the CapEx budget. I'll also have about five to 10 comps in that area. I'll have him run to while he's viewing the property. After that, he'll go hit all the comps and then we'll hop on a Zoom call, uh, really tighten up the underwriting. And then if we're still good and they accept our LOI or at this point it's already accepted, um, we'll go to purchase and sale agreement. So this is mm-hmm. kind of when I, you know, I, I hand the baton off to DJ. He'll get the purchase and sale agreement. He'll start working with the attorneys. They'll get the contract in order. On the backside, I'll be getting all the debt in place. So any mortgage or private lending we have on the deal uh, where he's going to start working on the syndication documents with our attorneys. So he's really good with working with attorneys. Mm. So he, he works with our attorneys at that point. Um, on the back end, I'm also, there, there's also 15 different things going on. Of course. But this is just a, a, a quick overview. I'm also getting all the investor uh, summary marketing material ready. And in tandem with, uh, you know, him doing all the documents, all the legal documents for the investors. Then I'm sending out, you know, mailers to the investors, emails, letting them know the new investment opportunity. And then we're calling our short list of investors too. We'll review everything together. We'll kind of bring everything together. So it's all like all one puzzle put together now that we've taken his pieces, my pieces, um, and we'll do the capital raise together. And then we do Mm. the asset management together as well. So, you know, I head off, I head up acquisitions. I kind of tee it up to him. I put the ball on the the tee and he knocks it out of the park essentially. And then- I go and grab it and bring it to the next hole. And we kind of just keep doing the same thing. Um, we, we've got a pretty good system in place. We're still working on, you know, just really honing in on that. 
but we're getting to the point where we're starting to get overwhelmed. So we're going to start to hire on some help here, hopefully some more admin work that can take care of, you know, a, a lot of the paperwork and legal uh, aspect of our business. Well, I think one of the things that you said that uh, it, it struck me because it makes sense is, you know, you're a guy that's in Syracuse, you know, born and raised in this area, right? You're in uh, Fayetteville Manulis. Is it Manulis or Manilis? Uh, Fayetteville Manlius, that's the, Manlius. Uh, the area, the school area I went to. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. The school area. It's a really good, really good area. But I went to Lemoyne, so I kind of know the area a little bit. Oh, but, there you go. Yep. Um, you know, it's funny. You, <laughs> what I'm getting at is you picked the area of, you know, the, you know, North Carolina. And it makes sense because in one of the things that I heard you say in, in a previous interview podcast was, you know, for you, you're a location, location, location guy. Most so does Syracuse, upstate New York, obviously there's not a ton of competition from some of the other REITs and the funds out there up here, but are you just like, nah, not for me up here? Or what is it? I mean, if the right deal came along, you would, but what, or is it just not your cup of tea up here? It, so it, it, there's kind of a few different ways to, to approach that and my approach on that. So um, I think the upstate New York market is great for cash flow. I think it's a phenomenal market. I have dozens i i have clients from the the country of australia that invest in syracuse believe it or not like there's really good returns to be had here but for me i, I need to see three things job growth income growth population growth and my partner and i did a lot of research with that to figure out where those areas are and you know syracuse central new york didn't didn't check the box unfortunately and something you got to think about as well is age of structures landlord tenant laws and then migration so a lot of people are migrating down to the Southeast. Um, here's a silly one that people don't really think about. Air conditioning wasn't really commercialized and brought into the residential market until like the 70s and 80s. So therefore, you know, those lower states that were smoking hot all summer long, they didn't really start to get that big population growth until the 70s and 80s when people could withstand being down there because you could put air conditioning in the homes, which is kind of something to, funny to think about. But it's not a moment. That's cool. And Never because of that. that, a lot of the buildings are built in that era, in that time period, starting in the seventies and eighties, you're not going to get the early 1900 builds like we have up here. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's not a thing. Like, I know it sounds silly, but look at the original 13 colonies where those are, all those uh, areas are where those are like 1800, early 1900 buildings are, because that's where settlement was for us. Hmm. And as you start to, uh, you know, the United States starts to grow in population and growth and migration, you start to go to these uh, southern tier areas where taxes aren't as bad and the cost of living is, isn't as high and the, the weather is nicer and the landlord tenant laws are more friendly. And there's, there's a lot of reasons. And so, you know, our oldest building we own is 1986. Yeah, and that's, crazy. that's, that's almost considered old to me. I won't look at anything past 1980s in, uh, in the Southeast. I really won't. And, uh, location is big when a broker sends me a deal. I don't, I don't care about the numbers. I'd, I could go a week without seeing the numbers to decide if I want the property because I'm going to look at, again, the age. I'm going to look at what's surrounding. Is it a growth area? Is it a low-income area, high-income area? Um, I'm going to look for things like Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Five Guys, Lowe's, Home Depot. Products. Yeah, so, so go in your Chick-fil-A method because I know there's a <laughs> – the third the third prong is just for fun, but I know there's there's a couple of reasons why you look for Chick-fil-A's or you look you – know, you you're looking for those national – you know, they do the research, they know where the growth is, yeah. they're going to spend these millions of dollars to invest in their businesses, and they're going to make sure they're in successful places. 
that that's that's the places we want to be around because there's also growth in those areas like our property property we just closed on last week had two chick-fil-a's in a two mile radius that's like a huge plus for me things i don't like seeing are pawn shops used car dealerships um you know vacant commercial spaces or uh just run down commercial spaces um because it's not going to look good that, that it's usually a sign of a of not not too much growth in that area. So those are all things I can look at. I mean, I, I get sent deals off market deals from brokers all the time and I can immediately just look, I'm like, what's the address? And they'll give me the address. I don't even need to sign a CA to see the uh, financials. And I'll just say, Hey, you know, so-and-so appreciate you thinking of us. Um, it doesn't work. And here's why. And I always give feedback because the brokers really appreciate that. And it'll also show them that, okay, this guy, you know, he means business. He knows what he's looking for. He's not just spitballing looking for any property. Um, and that criteria does get kind of uh, niched down a little bit more, but that's just from a, a 30,000 feet view. Yeah. And I think you, uh, I think you can speak to them a little bit better because you are one, right? I mean, that's, that's nice. I mean, obviously if someone's saying no to your deal, you'd want to know why. So just kind of exactly. giving them a reason why a lot of people don't do that at all. I think probably 90% don't do that. So, you know, being that one person that does, you know, it's funny because in this business, at least for me, you know, there is like, Hey, be a human to somebody. Right. Like, yeah. by the way, these people have feelings and it's yeah. like, hey, and it's like, hey, maybe this person um, could potentially pay more. And I know that. But like, I like this guy. So I'm going to give this guy the first shot. I mean, that that right. shit happens. Does that not happen? It, it most definitely does. And you're also right. saying top of mind. So the more communication I can have with that broker, the more top of mind I'm going to be. So when the deal does come by their desk, I'll either be at the top of their inbox already, top of their text or they just got off a call with me, or they're already thinking about me and like, oh, well, here's Dante, you know, let me just send him that, that deal right there. Yeah, you're a freak. I love it. You know, one of the other things that you do that I think is really cool, and it's something that I've done, but I didn't think about it like the way you thought of it. <laughs> but strategic lending, um, go into that a little bit, because I think it's very interesting what you and your partner did, and, and you continually do to, you know, network and at the same time, you know, make some money. Yeah. So a, a big thing right now with real estate is uh, mentorships and paid for mentorships and they can get expensive, you know, 10, $20,000 per person. And, you know, going back to that, I don't like uh, learning in school, you know, so why would I pay for it to do it in this capacity as well? Um, really what we did was we lent out to syndicators. We would invest in their deals, but we found syndicators that were in the markets we like already so we could build relationships with them. And so they weren't huge. We're not lending to Grant Cardone here because we won't be able to talk to him directly. We're lending with some smaller shop guys that maybe have uh, 500 to 1,000 uh, units in their portfolio. And uh, we, we did this because uh, one, we can get in their ear. So you know, benefit us here, benefit them here. We can get in their ear, they get an investment. Uh, we get a mentorship for free. They get to sign on our loans and get the KP fee for that. And so, you know, everyone's winning from that. There's, there's no loss there at all. And because of that, we're building some great partnerships and uh, one individual in particular that signed on our loans has even brought some investors to us. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it all goes full circle. It's uh, everyone's got to win in these situations. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that give, give, right? You guys give some capital, some of the money from your commissions into a deal. And oh, by the way, it's going to make money anyways on the, on the back yep. end. But at the same time, they're going to give you access to their circle. And also, you know, again, you're in Syracuse, so you're not in 
some of these areas in North Carolina, South Carolina, some of, the, some of these areas in the Southeast, they're going to be able to talk to you about the contractors they use, the property managers they use. I mean, this is a, exactly. that's more, that's more, that's worth more than the 50, you know, 60 K that you might be or hundred K they might be putting in deals because long-term those kills connections, those, those are millions of dollars worth of connections. So yeah, I love that, especially, you know, if you're able to find some KPs to also sign in some of your deals, cause those, you need those guys, you need those guys. Exactly. Yep. Early on, you definitely need them. <laughs> You need those guys and girls. So that's cool. So I think one of the things that you're doing that I that I really appreciate too is that you're not just okay with multifamily. Obviously, you know, you're 24 and you're, you're going to be able to grow in this business and, and continue to build up your portfolio. Multifamily is, a, we both agree that it's a great, great uh, uh, direction industry. But also, I really like something that's changed my opinion, especially with these landlord laws here in New York, is the triple net lease commercial stuff. Yep. I, oh, yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know that's something that you're kind of interested in pivoting towards. I mean, is that something that is like, hey, at the end of the day, that's where I want to be? Or would you kind of get out of multifamily to go into that direction? Like, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. So, I mean, the goal is to, you know, continue to do the syndications, build the uh, build the firm essentially. And with my earnings outside of that, um, buy some triple net properties in cash, do refinances out on them. And then get that money uh, lent back out because the the triple net space is is a very interesting space. It's not traditional like any other asset, and you know th that's the great great thing about the podcast. I want to learn about triple net, so I had some triple net brokers get on the podcast with me and teach me all about it. I grabbed some books. There's not a lot of learning material out there, um, but I grabbed some books and really learned on that. I even put some offers on some local Starbucks here, um, some local Chase banks. So you know it, nothing that came to fruition, but we offer where we are comfortably and where we are at in these properties, but I would love to add those to the portfolio because um, they are extremely passive. They're very safe investments. They don't take up a lot of uh, effort or management time. They're always going to have value um, for the most point as well. And they're, you know, they're 20, 30 year leases. So kind of talk about set it and forget it for the most part, if you do your due diligence right and grab the correct triple net tenants, um, mm. you, you can't be going to get again, a pawn shop, a, um, something like that in your yeah, space. You don't want another vape shop in your yeah, exactly. Uh... <laughs> there's, there's enough vape shops out there, and yeah. it, plus that it kind of brings down the clientele for the oh, rest sorry. of that area. So, like if you own a strip mall, it, it shows you're kind of desperate. You want to get that space filled, and the kind of clientele that's going to be there is going to sprinkle into the other stores there as well. So, to, to answer your question though, triple net leases are phenomenal. They're a great investment, but you do have to be very low leveraged in those. To make sense and to meet the debt service coverage ratio, you have to be about 50 to 60% leveraged in those deals. So that's why you'll notice a lot of people will purchase those in cash, typically doing a 1031 exchange because it's a quick, easy way to do it. They're always going to cash flow at cash. It's a uh, it's it's easy for the 1031. There's not as much competition. There's way more triple net properties for sale out there than there are multifamily. So it's easy to find something. And then to reaccess that funds, you know, you'll just do a cash out refinance. So therefore you can touch that 1031 exchange, it's tax-free and go put in another investment and you're just growing that investment. But don't you think it's interesting, like as you are in this business and in this industry, like you go, maybe like in the beginning for me, cause like I would look at something and be like, how would somebody want to, why would anybody want to buy a five cap? Like, why would anybody want to do that? But as you like, right. as you grow up and you see like, hey, a lot of people have a lot of money. 
and, yeah. and they oh, yeah. need to put it into something that's going to spit off a safe returns, a Starbucks, uh, a Chick-fil-A, you know, those kinds of things that it's going to be a no brainer. And now being in management and, you know, we, we, we own and manage over 60 properties, units in Rochester, and we're partners on a 50 unit, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we're in it kind of day to day. We manage our own shit. And I'm like, man, uh, you can, you can see how people can get burned out. You know, we've been doing it since oh, 2015 yeah. Yeah. and you're like, Oh, now I get why someone would want a 1031, um, uh, a, you know, apartment or all their, you know, portfolio of rentals into something safe and easy, like a five, six cap. And it just, Hey, just spit me off a couple bucks. I'm good. I don't necessarily need the money, but I definitely wanted to get something that was just going to give me that return. That, I just think in the beginning, I wasn't thinking clearly, but now it's starting to make more sense. As well, I've been. And, and the biggest sure. thing too, is it's spitting off a return. It's nothing crazy. You're getting the tax benefits, but also with those triple, triple net leases, there's built in uh, rent increases. So you know what the rent is going to be in, in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Right. And therefore that's going to increase the property value based off the cap rate. So, you know, it's going to be worth more down the line. And, you know, if there's only a year or two left on the lease, that's not going to help the value of the property because there's more risk if the tenant moves out. But if you can, you know, get something with a new tenant in there and then maybe there's 10 years left, excuse me, 10 years left on the lease and you get rid of it, there's still value to be had there for someone. I mean, 10 years is a really uh, strong hold period. And you look at the owners of who owns these properties and they're historically wealthy individuals because they have capital, they know how to preserve it and they know how to play the game. And that's the 1031, the cash out refinance, the depreciation, the cash flow game is really what it comes down to. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting to kind of see this game kind of play out as I as I stay in in this business longer and longer. It's some of those really good properties, they don't trade very often because these guys don't want to sell them. These guys and girls don't want to right. sell this stuff, you know? So so it's 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 very interesting to see because like you, know, you hear like the the top of the food chain go i'll never sell right, right? i'll yep. never sell you hear him say i'll never sell um and so you you kind of gotta wait for things to either unfortunately you know as people pass away those things kind of come up because the estate yeah, doesn't family gets it yeah well, and it, and to answer that question like i'll, I'll never sell and you asked me earlier you know why not upstate why not syracuse why north carolina so the other thing is, is like you, you can only touch stuff within the city limits of Syracuse, anything in the suburbs, like the, the I found the Fable Manlius you were talking about and like the, the Baldwinsville or the Camillus or the Liverpool, yeah. you know, those properties never come for sale because they're mm -hmm. newer construction, they're high income, high quality areas, and the individuals that own them want to hold on to them forever. And if they want to sell them, they want an outrageous price that really doesn't make sense. So that's another reason that, you know, I'm not able to get my hands on a lot of the assets here, nor am I confident in them. And you are, and you probably, they probably know of you, right? And you've knocked on their doors. And, and that's yeah. the other thing, you know, you're building up your brand in the area where when the time does come, you'll look at it, I'm sure, right? Yeah. If something comes oh, yeah. across, your it's not that you're not going to look at it. Um, no, that that's awesome. I think that, uh, I think that it's really interesting what you've done. And uh, I think people are, are excited about real estate. I, I, and that's why I, put this show together is because I don't think a lot of people know that, you know, anybody can really do it. And also you could be any age. I mean, 24 or 23. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Um, I, I love it. And I love that you thought big early on. Was there something that maybe you were buying one? Did you buy like a rental, like a single family or a double? And you're like, I just oh, want yeah. to bigger. 
Yeah. Uh, I had a bunch of stuff. So like the, the house I'm in right now, I bought for 40,000. I burned it. I wasn't supposed to live in it, but that's just how it ended up happening. That was one of the deals. And I owned a bunch of duplexes and I was starting to buy up a whole street. I ended up selling off, you know, what I owned on the street, but my goal was to scale. Like I was just like, Oh, I'll, I'll literally buy this whole street. I'll rehab the whole thing. I'll get the values high. And that was the plan. And, uh, I, you know, I started looking at the numbers and I was like, this is going to take forever to scale. You know, the, the, it, it's just, it, it may not sound like it, but if you do it, you'll understand it's just as much work to do all the paperwork and get to closing for a two unit as it is a 20 unit yeah. as a 20 unit, as it is for a 200 unit. Yeah. There might be some, you know, some other items that just take a little bit longer, but at the end of the day, it's the same paperwork. You're just heading zeros onto the end of it. And I was just you know, kind of telling myself, I was like, this is going to be impossible to scale. And uh, so that's when I really decided, let's go big, which really going big right now is still considered small in the space I'm in um, and continue to scale. And so one thing that my partner and I are, are really keen on right now is we won't do a smaller deal than we've done in the past. So every deal we do has to be bigger. Like it. And uh, with the exception that it's like a screaming deal that you literally cannot pass up, but you know, getting those today is still very difficult. Yeah. So when you're um, when you're approaching some of these larger buildings, obviously they're well, I thought did I see one of them was off market that you just closed on or was it are they all on market because it's through brokers or is it kind of like it's a mix? It's a yeah, mix. It's kind of yeah. in the middle. It's like some of them are, you know, direct to my email. They don't make it to the Internet. Some of them never make it to the broker website. Sometimes they just make it to the broker's website, but not like LoopNet or anything like that. Got There's it. No MLS for those either. OK. OK. Yeah. And then. Are you able to, because, you know, a lot of people in um, the upstate New York real estate investor group, they're always talking about, you know, how do I find a seller finance deal? Um, I, I tell them, and, and maybe you have experience here, that you, you kind of just got to ask, right? Not everybody yeah, oh, wants, yeah. right? I mean, is it, have you had any experience with some of the larger multifamily with, with seller finance? Like, have you, have you come across that? But when you're raising with syndication, can you do seller finance? I'm not even sure. Yeah, you, you most definitely can. Okay. Um, it's really, it, it's a lot harder to come by on those larger properties because it's not like the mom and pop owners where you can convince and kind of get them to do the seller finance on some of these larger assets. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It definitely does. Um, and there's a good book on that. That is Creative Cash. Uh, Bill Ham, he wrote a great book on that, talking about seller finance and master lease options. And it's definitely possible. It, it doesn't happen very often. And it, it, to be honest, sometimes some of the debt we can get is so favorable that I'd rather just put fresh debt on it and take the property you know, on its own. Um, but that's not to say you can't get a seller finance deal at 3% interest only for five years and then it balloons out in 10. Like you can do that. Um, like I, I had a client I sold the building to in downtown Syracuse and they got one year interest only. Uh, I think it was like three or 3.25% on... Uh, a $600,000 building with 2% down. Like they wow. got a, a smoking deal, but that's because they asked. And yeah, right. I, I think asking is the biggest thing. Um, you're going to get 99 no's, but the one yes might make the difference between a good deal and a bad deal. Kind of like uh, my first private investor. So pre-syndication, um, just, you know, this guy I, I knew because his daughter was in my friend group didn't see him for like four or five years. I just called him up, saw how he was doing. And I just said, Hey, you know, so-and-so I remember when I came over your house, like five years ago, you were telling me about, uh, you know, you lent money to a family member because they were flipping houses. He mm. said, I've got a project that, you know, you know, we're, 
I'm short on funds on what I personally need. If you'd like to invest in it, let me know. Here's what I can do for you. And the guy just sent me an email the next day and he's like, Hey, everything looks good. Why don't you come pick up the check at my office at the front desk and have your name on it? I was like, you know, at the time, I think I was, I was 21 or 20, early twenties though. And the dude just, you know, didn't even need anything. Just handed me over a check and just said, Hey, you know, if you can get it back by that time with that interest, you said, you know, we got a deal and we, we did just that. And it was like, I was kind of like blown away because all I did was ask. And that's what you have to do. Guys, if you're listening to that, that's that rewind that because that's huge. The, you know, you got to ask people. But I think the number one thing is, you know, Dante remembered something because he's listening in, in sales. Oh, listening is the most important part. And you're listening, hearing what people are doing, you know, oh, yeah, I've heard this guy's lending here. Or this guy lent for that and this. And then he asked. And what's the worst they're going to say? Well, I can tell you what people are going to just be going like people that are in business, they're high level people that are making money. They'll just like that. You ask. Not, you know, yeah. I, I think like maybe like 90 percent of people would just if they had it, they'll just give it to you anyway. And just be like, good for you. Just just yeah. just go. Like I, I can see that you're hungry and, I, and you want to do it. and You're going to do it. Um, obviously they're going to want to take a quick gander at the deal, but, uh, but no, I think people need to ask more, but I think what people don't do enough is say what they do. And I think having the podcast, putting it out on social media, you know, these are tough things at 21 to do. Like I'm doing them now at 32, about to be 33 in a couple of days, but it was really hard for me to kind of get past that mental block of going like, man, who am I? And here was the worst thing that I did. When other people did it, I go, man, who are they to think blah, 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 blah. Right. And that's yeah. like, the fuck. That's, the fuck. that's actually the worst thing you can do. But the second worst thing you could do is think that, you know, wh why would I be able to do this or that? Right. So it does take a little bit of time, but why the hell did you have the gumption and the, the cajones to just go and do it at 21 to start a podcast when you were just kind of trying to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, did you not was, give? A, did you just not give a shit? It, it was kind of like it was. I wanted to talk to like high level, high earners as well, like high level individuals, high earners, very successful. And you know, again, coming back to that mentorship thing, people want you know wanted a, a pretty penny for it. And so I was like, how can I talk to these guys for free, record it so I can go listen back to it? They get their name out, and then people get to listen to them to learn from them as well. I was like, Oh, that sounds like a podcast. And so that's when I put the podcast out and it was, uh, over two years ago now. So like there, there was, there was real estate podcasts out there, but it wasn't as many as there are now. Um, so it was a lot, I want to say easier. You'll always be able to get someone on your podcast to talk. Anyone wants to do that. You and I got to make this great connection. Um, I get to hopefully get heard by some of your listeners and your listeners will hopefully get a good show. And then you know, you'll probably come on my show and it'll all go full circle and everyone benefits from that. And that's what I wanted to do up front was I wanted to learn from these people. I wanted to get them on the phone or get them on the podcast and talk to them, talk to them for an hour for free, record it, listen back to it. And then they could benefit because people could hear about them and what they're doing. And hopefully I uh, get some free advertising out there for themselves. So I, I say, Hey, let's just give it a try. What's the worst thing that happens? Someone says no. And, you know, start off AJ Osborne, uh, Richard Garcia, Chris Salerno, like three pretty big hitters right out of the gate. Um, and that just kind of sent us running. So astute. Like what a, what a thought to do that. And I think there's so many people. Here's what I think that day. I, I think, yes, I think it's, it's certainly there's a ton of different 
real estate and mindset and, and different uh, business podcasts. But the crazy thing is there's still a lot of really successful people like in their business in real estate or in just business in general who need to have a podcast. Those are the guys I and girls I want to hear from. So, right. you know, it's like, it's like, I, I think, I think, although I think it's also like a game of like, are you willing, who's willing to keep going? You know, you did a hundred episodes. And I think for me, this is episode, I think this is episode three. And so for me, I'm thinking, Hey, I'm not even going to look at this thing. I'm not even going to judge this thing until right. I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred in. Yep. You know what I mean? Cause like, <laughs> who cares? You yeah. know, it, it's really content. I want, cause I chop this stuff up. I put it on Instagram. I put it on Facebook and, and I'll tell you, and I, I don't even have to tell you this, but how many people have reached out because they saw or heard you say something or maybe through your Instagram or through part of a clip and they go, Hey, I want to work with you and I want to give you money. Right. Uh, truthfully over a hundred. <laughs> and, and that's just it. And that's, it's, it's a, it. an arm of, of, of the marketing and getting your name out there and getting seen and getting in front of people. Because the nice thing about the podcast is, you know, someone that wants to work with me, they'll want to take a call with me. I'll send it to my calendar. They'll book a call. In the meantime, here's my podcast. These three episodes really kind of go with what you're trying to do. Go listen to those. And that helps with my time management as well, because I can now talk to people without talking to them. I can still right. be in front of them and educate them without actually being in front of them, educating with them. Because if I, if I showed you my calendar, you'd be like, I don't know how you do all that. And it'd be 10 times worse, worse if I didn't have the podcast or something to talk to these people. And like a guy called me, he wanted to work with me. And I said, okay, listen to episode 101 and 73. That's one of my local clients has that two of my local clients have totally kicked butt and are trying to do what or doing what you want to do. And uh, so they were able to go back, listen to those. They're like, yeah, you had some great points in there. You really helped explain some things. And I didn't have to take, not that I don't want to take the time to tell these people, teach these people and build relationships with them. I still do, but it helps me to free up a little bit more of my time and it gives them something to go back to and listen to a few times as well. So it really helps out. And I was doing an episode every week for over two years. And that's how I hit the hundred episodes. And then I had a daughter. And that definitely tapered back a lot of my time. And it was, it was, uh, it, you know, best thing in the world, but some of my things, some of the content I put out did kind of take a, a step back because I, you know, life got in the way, which is fine. That's, that's the whole reason why I'm doing all this stuff is so I can have a better life for myself and my family, but it's definitely hard to get to that hundred episode, you know, hundred podcast episode. It's, it's, it's an uphill battle. Well, guys, if you, uh, it's a no brainer to listen to him because he he's and he, it gets better and better every episode. Um, I, I really believe that. And uh, again, that's make money make sense by Dante Belmonte. He has deals regularly um, that I, do you have to be accredited to. Uh, no. So right now we're taking sophisticated and non-accredited and accredited. Um, it just it has to be a pre-existing relationship. So if that's someone that wants to get involved, reach out to me. And that's one of the things that's exciting about what Dante does is he, you know, he has deals that are in the areas that a lot of us upstate New Yorkers want to get into just to even, you know, even if it's just to go down there to look at your property that you might be an LP on. It's, uh, it's interesting. Guys, again, listen to his podcast, check him out, check out Victory Capital, 
Uh, I'm sure he's got a newsletter. I'm sure he's got like a, an email blast you could probably connect to um, to see what's coming down the line. Strategic lending is amazing. That's one of the things maybe you could do with Dante. Maybe you could give him some money and learn a little bit about it, but maybe not. He might not want to have to, you know, he, he's going to make the decisions, but maybe he'll let you in on a couple of his secrets. And uh, at the same time, the Chick-fil-A method, which is, which is real quick, is he likes them because that's where he, he knows that those national juggernauts are going to do the research. He doesn't have to do it, but he knows that a lot of his, his tenants might be employees there. You know, and of course, but my favorite part was he likes to eat there, which I do too. So Dante, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. I really appreciate you. And uh, uh, thanks. Thanks for everything, buddy. It was great. Marty, thank you so much. I love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thanks, brother. All right, guys, have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Marty Grisani show. If you're listening on Apple podcast, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.